The following audio is from First Baptist Church of Conyers. More information about First Baptist Conyers is available at firstconyers.com. It was Thursday of this last week. <clears throat> I woke up Thursday morning and boy, I just had a sense that I was miserable and rotten. Anybody relate to mornings like that? Let me hear an amen to that. I, I, I don't know what had gone on. It wasn't anything that happened the night before. It wasn't anything that happened the day before. But I, I just woke up and, and just felt incredibly low. And, and the thing that, that most resonated on my mind was, God, I, I, need, I need to feel your love. You ever have days like that? God, I can sing the songs and, and I can quote the verses, but God, I, I need to be reassured of your love today. My mind went to self-love. We like to talk about self-love. And sometimes we try to support that with Scripture. Um, love your neighbor as... Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, for no one ever hated his own body. And unfortunately, the enemy has kind of twisted that into saying that, that self-love is what you need. I see those two times and instances in Scripture, though. Jesus, when he used it, and Paul, when he used it to describe how husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church, for no man ever hated his own body, in the sense that you know that you love yourself, right? Can I say amen to that? It's only a small portion left on the plate at the potluck, a potluck. What do we do? <laughs> Unless anybody's watching, we, we take as much as we can because we know it's going to run out, right? I want to love me. But the story of the Bible is that if we try to find fulfillment in self-love or love in any other place, looking for love in all the wrong places. I just sang that in church. <laughs> then we're going to be sorely disappointed and left empty. I shared on the devotion that morning that, that I, I had woken up that day and felt that way, and what I needed to remind myself is that although I may not feel that God loves me, that I'm resting assured without any doubt through the Word and by the power of the Holy Spirit that God loves me. John writes in his first letter of this, this, underline the word this in your mind, this love of God. You take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look beginning in verse 7 through verse 21. And, and I want to share some things with you that out of this passage that morning and other passages to where I started the day not really sensing and knowing that God loved me. The one thing that assured me in the love of God, my feelings didn't change, all right? But what I went away with that morning was that regardless of how I feel, I know that God loves me. 
It's been said the greatest need that every human being has is to have a sense that someone loves them and someone cares for them. This Valentine's Day, it's either a glorious day because you know that there are those that love you and show love to you, or it's a miserable day because you feel as though nobody loves you at all. John begins to write in in his letter as he's culminating, beginning in in verse 8, he says this. He says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Somebody asks a question, what is God and who is God? John answers it here. Not only once, not twice, but three times in this short passage, he makes the statement that God is love. And when he speaks of God is love, he's saying that his essence, his whole being is that he is love. The first thing that we find in this passage is that the love of God, had God not manifested to us, we wouldn't know it. So number one, we find in verse 9 is that this love that is of God is a love that is revealed to us. Look at verse 9. He says, in this Circle that word this because it's going to relate to something else. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, revealed, making known something that wouldn't be known any other way. And can I propose to you this morning that if God did not reveal his love to us, if God did not manifest his love to us, we are so depraved, so sinful that we would not even recognize or know God's love. He, he says in verse 10 of this same passage, and then he repeats something very similar in verse 16, that, that we only love God because God first loved us. God initiated his love to us. Apart from his revealing his love to us, we would never know the love of God. I love what the prophet Jeremiah wrote to Israel as God had, was speaking through the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 31, verse 3. Jeremiah expresses as God would lead him to express his love to the children of Israel. And he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've loved you with an everlasting love. It's not a conditional kind of love. It's not the kind of love that I've loved you because you've done something for me. It's not the kind of love that I love you because you gave me chocolates this morning. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And then I love this part of it. And I have drawn you with my unfailing kindness. So here God says, Israel, we can apply it in our lives today that I have loved you with an everlasting love and I have drawn you to myself with my loving kindness. The expression of his love has drawn you and I to him. Not only in that day when we were saved that God's love drew us, but this morning as we sang of the goodness and the love and the graces and the mercies of God, he has drawn us to him 
so that we might know his love. Jesus said this. Well, notice here first. He says, first of all, he says, in this, this, the love of God has been made a festival. That this is that God sent his only son into the world. The demonstration of God's love to us, and if we've been in church for a long time, we can easily take this passe, right? We can do what C.S. Lewis said in, in uh, Screwtape Letters where the enemy, Wormwood, is, is trying to get Christians distracted. And he says, give them normality. This morning, I pray and hope that we'll be refreshed again in knowing of God's goodness and his love and his mercies and his graces to us. He says, I... The expression of God's love is that He sent His Son into the world so that we might live through Him. You see, the Bible teaches that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there there were two deaths that, that came as a consequence and result of their sin. One was physical death that would ultimately begin to take place in every human being, and the other was spiritual death separated from God because of their sin, and all of us are born in that condition, separated from God. But he says, in this, God has sent his Son so that we might live through him. We're not talking about a Jeep kind of live that life is good, right? Although Jesus did promise that I've come that you might have life and that you, have, you might have, full it, have it to the fullest, but he has come so that we might live spiritually unto him in relationship through his son, Jesus Christ, that we might be born again, that that which was dead and separated from God by the graces and the mercies of God through the blood of Jesus, we now have life and that's eternal life. Can somebody say amen to that? So this love is real. I find it interesting that, that the first time that the word love is used in the Bible is Genesis chapter 22, verse 2. Do you remember the story where God had given Abraham the promise of a seed? Isaac was born, and Abraham knew that God's promises to him were that, Abraham, through this son that I'm going to bless you with, even though you and Sarah are both beyond age of being able to conceive, I'm going to give you this son, and through this son, you're going to have an incredible inheritance, so many that it would outnumber the stars and outnumber the sand. Then one day, God comes to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son to me. Not only did he say he wanted him to sacrifice, but he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And if you remember the story with the flannel graph in children's church, right? Abraham gets the wood and he gets the fire and he loads it on the donkey and he takes his servants with him and they're going to sacrifice to God. Only Abraham knew that God had called him to sacrifice his one, his only son, whom he loved. He tells his servants that are there with him, you wait here, the boy and I, that is Isaac, we're going to go up here and we're going to worship God on this mountain where God has said. And so they're trekking up there and Isaac says, hey, dad, Abe, maybe. I notice you have the wood here and the fire, but, but where's the sacrifice? 
And Abraham says, the Lord will provide. So he gets Isaac there on the top of the mountain and he lays him down and he binds him and he raises up the knife to slay Isaac. And all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord, which I think is a, is a pre-incarnation manifestation of Christ, says, Abraham, don't do it. And Abraham turns around and there's a ram caught in the thicket and he says, this day the Lord will provide. I find it incredibly interesting that as this story with Abraham and Isaac is a foreshadow of God sending his one and only son that he loved, that he would be slain for the sins of the world, that that's the first time this word is love is used in Scripture, showing us that the greatest manifestation, the greatest filling of desire of love that we might have is only found in God's love. The second thing I want us to notice in this passage is, is that this love, this love of God is a bestowed kind of love. Look at verse 10. He says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, parentheses here. That word propitiation is a word that we don't use in our English very often, but it's a unique word that only means that it is the means where the wrath of God might be satisfied. And so all of the wrath that was against sin, the judgment, God's wrath, the Bible says, tells us that Jesus was the one that absorbed all of the wrath of a holy God for the sins of the world. He says he presented him to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. You know what I find incredibly interesting, incredibly fulfilling about this love of God is that God is the initiator in this love. God didn't look down and say, oh, Vanessa, she has a love for me, so I'm going to extend my love to her. No. God extended his love, and in that we respond to his love. God's the initiator in it. I saw several people post on Facebook this week wanting to tell the story of the first time that that you met your spouse. And it asked the question, who who pursued who? Uh, Can I brag for a minute? That woman pursued me. That woman asked me to marry her. Now, as great as that seems to me, and as cocky as I might want to be in it and strut, which I do, it pales in comparison that the creator of the universe, God Almighty, saw you, and he pursued you and demonstrated his love to you, and he drew you to himself by his loving kindness, not of anything that we could do, but by his love and his expression of that. Is that amazing to you? God's the initiator in this love. I love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 5. Verse, verse 8 and verse 10, he says this, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. For if while we were still enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. The Bible tells us that Jamo was an enemy of God before God saved him. And it wasn't that God, as Paul says, made me his enemy, but I made myself an enemy of God by rejecting him. But God demonstrated his love to me and to you by while you were still in that rebellious condition. God sent his son to save you. Now, if that doesn't spell love, I don't know what does. It's almost like John is saying this in these verses. If in, in this, that, that God loved you first, in this is love, and nowhere else is it ever found except here. I, I, I thought about this a lot this week, and I thought that God would punish the innocent Lamb of God for the guilty like you and me, so undeserving, that God would exact, that he would require the blood of his son to counsel the guilt of me, a rebel against God. That God would lay the infinite weight of wrath, a holy wrath on his son Jesus that he might pour out his infinite love on you and on me. That the price that was paid, the sacrifice was of priceless value in his son for a worthless worm like me. I put that in the first person because some of you may not think you're a worthless worm. But in our state apart from him, that's what we are. Worth great wealth to him but of no value because we were lost in our sin and separated from God and destined for eternal separation and hell from him. But he loved us and saved us from that. If you don't get up and shout, you are dead. Amen? The Lord of glory became the man of sorrows for you and for me. You see, the greatest love that we can ever experience, someone wrote, as human beings, is to know and rest in the love that God has for us. To know and to rest in the love that God has for us. I love the way Paul describes this love in Ephesians chapter 3. He, he, he begins by writing this. Um, i got to start at verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
When we think about what Paul's written, he's saying the breadth and the length of God, it is unfathomable. There's no way that we can fully comprehend the breadth and the length of God's love. The height and the depth of his love, he says, are unsearchable. They're beyond finding out. God, your love surpasses all knowledge. Now, can I say this? He says in this little section of verses, uh, beginning in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. As God has loved us, He says we ought to love one another. I I really delved into this verse this week. And, And what John is saying here, if I can kind of paraphrase the whole description of that and the language that he's using is that we come to know the fullness of God's love as, as we bestow His love on others. And so what John is saying is, is that as you and I have experienced the love of God, the fullness of the realization of that love or the growing in the realization of that love is when we express that love to others. See, what John's saying is that God's love, the way He's chosen to express it, is not only does He reveal it, not only does He bring it to light, not only does He initiate it, but He's called you and I that we might love and express that. You remember when Jesus said, you've seen it, you've heard it said that, that you're to hate your enemies, but I tell you to love your enemies. even when they disagree with you. Even when they have a very different worldview than what you or I might have. Even when their actions or their proposed legislations, he says that we're to love our enemies. He was the greatest expression of that where we were enemies of God and God loved you and I so much that he laid his life down for us so that we might have eternal life. God expressed his love to his enemy and aren't you glad that God didn't say, well, he's my enemy, he disagrees with me, so I'm going to mark him out of my mind and I'm going to distance myself from him. See, God's called us. You remember Jesus said that they, 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 those that are lost, those who have not by God's grace been brought into relationship with him, those who are the, just the, the dregs that we might say. That we're to love them. That we're to express love to Him, God's love to them. I love what James says in talking about our enemies, that, that if someone is being our enemy or they're treating us wrong, they're hating on us, that we're to heap burning embers of love on their head. Got to tell you something, it's hard for somebody to be mean and nasty when we're just loving the slop out of them.
he, he calls us. And it's not as if we, we don't have the capacity. I've heard, and I've said it before, you know, well, I love them with God's love. <laughs> what I'm really saying in that, I'm paraphrasing, is I can't stand them. I hate their guts. They've wronged me, and I'm going to refuse to love them, but I know Jesus loves them. I'm spraying perfume on the sin of my heart. I I put that in the first person. You don't do that, I know. We're to love them. Let me move on to the third point. That this love is abiding. Look at verses 13 to 16. John writes this. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in, in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love made perfect. How do we know that this love is abiding? Is because what he says in verse 13, that he has given us the Holy Spirit. For the life of me... I. Can I help you understand whether or not you have the Spirit? Because you see, the Bible teaches that the moment you and I trust Christ, that God gives us the fullness of the Holy Spirit, that we are sealed by the Spirit of God. And one meter, if you will, to know whether or not we've been born again, that our life has been transformed and that we've been given the Spirit of God, that when we desire to hate that one who has offended us or hurt us, the Holy Spirit begins to prod and say, no, 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 no. And we wrestle with unforgiveness. That may sound odd. But one indication for you and I to know that we've been born again is that we wrestle with unforgiveness. There's not a one of us that does not struggle with forgiveness, right? Jesus said, when he was asked the question, how many times we forgive? Jesus said, 70 times seven. He's not indicating that every time the person offends you, you forgive. He's indicating that, that the day that you think you've laid down that 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 offense against that person, that, that, that okay, I've forgiven them, and you get up the next morning, and, and you hear their name, and that gut feeling. Do you understand it? You know the one I'm talking about? Or you see their posts come up on Facebook, and you say, okay, I don't want to offend them by unfriending them, so I'm just going to hide their posts so I don't have to see it, right? We all struggle with this. But it's the Holy Spirit of God, not us, that, that causes us, calls us to love. That abiding is by the Holy Spirit of God. He says this in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love 
that ability to love in an unconditional way, the Bible says, has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit the moment that we've been saved, Romans 8, 15 and 16. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The next point is this, is that this love is also assuring. Look look at what he says in verses 17 to 21. He says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect or complete love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected or made complete in love. We love because He loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar, for he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from Him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This love is assuring. I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I can remember before I was saved, I was afraid of God. (laughs) Now, it wasn't enough to keep me from doing the stupid stuff I did, right? But there, there 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 was that sense and knowledge that that I knew that if I died today, even though I tried to rationalize a living God, creator of the universe, out of my mind, and had gone to the point of saying, well, there is some deity there, but I'm not sure if it's a God we talk about. In my spirit, there rested that I was afraid. I wasn't afraid of God. I was afraid of the punishment of my sin. You see, he didn't have to convince me that I was a sinner. I bragged about being a sinner. I was a submarine sailor, right? But there was that sense that I knew there was a time of reckoning that was going to come. There was a time of accounting where the spreadsheet, the P&L statement had to be balanced, right? And I was afraid. And what John is saying here is that that in this love that we rest in God, it is assuring to us that on that day that is going to come, that judgment of God, that we've been made complete in his love. And because we've been made complete in his love, his perfect love, there is no fear on that day. While Billy Graham said, I might fear the way that I'm going to die, but I don't fear death. When that day comes, and we'll all face that day, we don't have to fear. We know that we're going to transition from this life into that eternal state of life because the life that we have is not our own. That we've been saved by God's grace. And that he has so loved us that we have a hope of eternal life with him. And there's no fear of that at all. Sometimes 
it just amazes me. I don't know about you. It just amazes me, God's love and His grace and His mercy to me. Those of you that I know well, it amazes me of God's grace and His mercy and love. I think of the old hymn, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. Sing it with me. Singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. <laughs> we got to do the next verse. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them His very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. And with the ransomed in glory, his face I at last shall see. It will joy through the ages to sing of His love for me. I'm singing how marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. In closing, and that means 20 more minutes from now, okay. <laughs> In closing, let me just read to you what Paul says to those believers in Rome. He says, what, shall, what then shall we say to these things? That if God is for us, then who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? And then he puts this rhetorical question out there. I love it. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, 
or sword. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you, Lord. As we close the service this morning, here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to either remain where you are. You can come to the altar and pray if you'd like. You can grab a family member and pray if you like. But here's what I want us to do. You see, I believe that every time the Word of God is preached, that we are called to respond in one way or the other. I'm going to either respond and reject what God says in His Word, or I'm going to respond in worship and adoration and thanks. And so this morning... The decision is yours. How are you going to respond? You might be here this morning or you might be watching on one of our live streams and you never have received Christ and experienced the transforming love and the graces and the mercies of God. Your first response is to trust Christ this morning. If you're here this morning and you're like I was on Thursday morning, you know that you're saved, you've been saved, you cut your teeth in the nursery, whatever it is, but the love of God has kind of become passe or you don't feel as though God loves you today, then I want you to receive His Word and just thank Him for His love. It is based on His Word. It's not what J-Mo says. It's not my opinion. It's God's opinion that He loves you. Zach, would you come and would you just lead us? And folks, let's respond. Respond to him in that way. God, we pray the Holy Spirit this morning, God, would move in our hearts, Lord Jesus, that God, however you're calling, however your spirit is drawing each and every person in this room and at the, the sound of my voice, God, to respond to you. God, that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would move in them and draw them, God. We pray that, God, we would bask in your love today. Lord, human love is great. And, God, we thank you for that. But, God, the thing that will most gratify me, will most fill me, God, will most cause me to be secure is knowing and experiencing your love. Lord, the truth of your love, I recognize, is not based on how I feel. But, God, the truth of The validity of your love is how you have expressed yourself and revealed your nature and character to us through your word. And it's by the Holy Spirit that that word becomes more than black ink on white paper. And God, you infuse it into our hearts. And so, Lord, we love you. We bless you. We magnify you in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Conyers, located in Conyers, Georgia. For more information about First Baptist Conyers, please visit us online at firstconyers.com.